my camera's not going to work. Um, I, the laptop camera on my laptop is broken, but I'll get that fixed for next week. I'll get, I'll get something. I'll order a camera or something and figure it out. I need to do that anyways. So, okay. Um, let me just get my notes out here. I got to switch gears. It's really dark here. at your place. Hey, Paul. Paulie, you don't have your yeah, you don't have your finger over the lens, do you, Paul? Okay. Can you hear me now? No. Yeah, you don't. You don't have that. You don't have the porn tape covering your camera, do you? I've got a whole roll of that. He's actually recording in Texas right now. He's recording in Texas right now. He doesn't have any lights. There's nothing to be. You can't. You're listening to Black Sheep Radio. Featuring Ben McVie. Please, I'll hold you tenderly while you're suffering and, and, and soothe and calm you, but please not up the butt. Mark Lefave. My wife has a pretty big chest. <laughs> and Chris Brown. The hardest thing about playing lacrosse is finding a third job to support your family. <laughs> <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe, and share. Or join the conversation at BSR Podcast on Facebook and at Radio underscore Sheep on Instagram and Twitter. Here we go. I remember when my mom, she used to live in North Carolina and they got pounded with a snowstorm one time down there and they're not ready for it at all. And she had to uh, she had to shovel her like from the driveway all the way around the house type dri- uh, driveways uh, with a rake <laughs> because there was no shovels. For There's no snow shovels at Lowe's or whatever they had. Down here's there. here's something I didn't know until <laughs> now. The United States has three hydroelectric grids. One is east, the other is west, and this is this is true. The third is Texas. Texas, because of their like go it alone nature, I guess, has always insisted on having their very own independent power grid, and that's why they're so well. Well, that's one of the reasons that they're so screwed right now, and they just cannot get it back on. So where's your cowboy spirit now? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Did right? you did you guys hear about the guy that went on uh, Facebook? Uh, the mayor he actually had to resign um, because is this in Texas? Came out. This is in Texas. Yeah. So hold on, I'm trying to find the actual statement. Okay, I think I've got it. Okay, here we go. Let me hurt some feelings <laughs> while I have a minute. This is from. This is from what's this Good guy's way to fucking start. name? <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's this yeah, guy's the mayor. Full oh yeah he he went Tim Boyd who is the mayor of Colorado City. Let me hear some feelings while I have a minute. No one owes you. Yeah he went. No one owes you or your family family anything. Nor is it the local government's responsibility to support you during times like this. Exclamation point. Can I just sink can I just or swim? It's your choice. That's about it. I'm gonna. That's as far as I'm gonna go. This thing's long, and I think you get the point. To be perfectly honest, sink yeah. or swim from the mayor. I just. I like. It's such a good rant, and he was so angry when he sent it that his punctuation and fucking grammar is wrong. Like it's just. Oh, yeah. like, it's just like he trumped that one in the bathroom. Like just fucking both both thumbs. Like, just <laughs> going going crazy. <laughs> It must have been a long dump if he did that in the bathroom then. I haven't seen a picture of this guy, but he sounds to me about 100 pounds short of Rob Ford. <laughs> yeah, it was in- it was insane. It's absolutely insane. But he resigned, so, so you know, Colorado well, City, Texas yeah. or whatever is going to have to hire a new asshole. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> like, was the end of the tweet the resignation? Like, did he just, at the end, just say, and I'm out. Fucking peace. I don't fuck know. You, I didn't get, you, I didn't get that you. far. You're cool, and I'm he, out. He You're cool. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know how. I, sorry, I, I I don't know how delayed my audio is versus the video, and I can't really yeah. see you guys. To I can't really see you guys to cue, um, or anything like that. We're trying out this new ZenCaster thing. They basically did the old switcheroo. It's like when Facebook, ZenCaster is the app that we use to record right. um, the podcast, uh, and they they did a complete switcheroo on us. And I got started late when I when I logged on at seven o'clock when we were supposed to meet. It looks entirely different, and now we've got video. Yeah, it's it's just cra- it's just crazy. So we're we're just battling the the future right now. Yeah, and the cool part is nobody knows this. But Polly Morris and I, because of our uh, our uh, senior ZenCaster discount, we get we got Space Invaders with our new ZenCaster as well. It's, it's friggin' wicked, man. <laughs> Polly, how are you? I'm great. I'm fantastic. Good, man. What is it? What is it at Shoppers? Is it every the last Wednesday of every month is Senior Discounts Day or something like that? I, I, I don't know anything about it. You got to be like sixty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Not yet. No, fuck that. I'm counting down the days, man. Are you kidding? You know how many times I'm in behind some guy and I'm like, how much is he getting that for? God damn. <laughs> damn. Take the bus for free and get there and get your discount and take the yep. bus for free back home. That's fucking living right there. Yeah. Well, I'm all, listen, I'm already like a surly prick most of the time. This is just it's like a it's it's an excuse. That's all. <laughs> yeah, you're out of your time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm ahead of my time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, it is Black Sheep Radio. Uh, I'm Ben, and um, while well, you guys introduce yourselves, Mark here. Uh, yeah. I'm Chris, and I'm Polly. Polly. Oh, yeah. Polly Morris uh, joins us every once in a while to do a little music episode. So, uh, like, um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I I did not come fully prepared with a bunch of music news, but it looks like between Mark and Paul, you guys are rich. Yeah, I nerded out because I knew Polly was coming, so I'm like, I gotta fucking research. <laughs> usually, usually I just completely wing it and come up with stupid fucking jokes every once in a while that I find funny. But when Polly's on, I feel like I have to really amp it up and uh, put some time and energy into it. So, uh, no Back to the Future references. Um, no, 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 yet. no. Yeah, no. Actually, I, guess I, I was, was one. <laughs> I was, I was, I was gonna say I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm in Ben's boat. It was kind of a really chaotic day today. Just yeah. lots of stuff done. So I didn't do as much prep. I couldn't find a bunch of questions to steer Mark towards. Uh, uh, Back to the Future references, either, so, you know. So okay. not going to be any pop trivia at the end of the show here. Uh, no series. pop trivia, not today. Okay. Not today. We're doing it old, old style. All right. Well, I tell you what. I'm going to be the uh, I'm going to be the shark in this thing, and I'm just going to wait for the perfect opportunity to lead Mark into a Back to the Future reference. Fuck yeah. That that will be I'm my challenge. Waiting. I'm waiting for the chum. That that will be that will be my challenge. I will take a bite. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to dangle that chum. Waiting wait for the chum. <laughs> I swear to God, there's a check in the mail. Ten dollar bonus for the chum reference. That was yeah, well played. For well sure. played. So, so who's leading? Who's leading us off with music stuff? I, 
I think it would just only make sense if Paulie does. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> this, this, uh, I'm going to lead off. I'm going to lead off with the uh, 16 nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which oh yeah, always, always brings up uh, a contentious argument about who is in, who is not in. How could they come up with these names um, and what merits somebody getting into the hall? So let me just yeah. start with the 16 names. And I admit, and I'm going to admit, there's one or two here I don't know. There's one that I do not know. And you will see me, you will hear me stumble on it when I get to it. Okay. Mary so here are the names that are nominated. This Paulie, is the sorry, role. just very quickly while, while you're running through these names so I can tabulate in my head. How many of the 16 get in? Uh, it's contentious. It's usually seven or eight. And by seven. the way, this, okay. and this is in the performers category. There's actually four categories, builders, uh, group performers. I'm not going to focus on those. These are the performers, okay? Yeah. Each cool. of these artists, have uh, their first release took place at least 25 years ago. The list includes Mary J. Blige, Kate nice. Bush, Devo, the Foo Fighters, the Go-Go's, Iron Maiden, Jay-Z, Chaka Khan, Carol King, Fela Kuti. That's the one I don't know, and I'm not sure if I pronounced it right. My apologies to all the Fela Kuti fans out there. LL Cool J, The New York Dolls, Rage Against the Machine, Todd Rundgren, Tina Turner, and Dionne Warwick. I I'm going to jump right out and say, like, usually there's this field, there's a couple of picks where it's like, what the fuck? What are they doing there? This is the exact opposite of this. In fact, this is one where I, I find it really difficult to pick seven. Yeah. Like, uh, really difficult. If, if what I find is when I do this, sometimes I go into I go into each one of these performers and I do some reading like I. You know, I know who Mary J. Blige is, but I really don't know what her impact is. So I have to do some homework, you know, where the Foo Fighters I'm a little bit more acquainted with. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure ways to weigh these things. It's really different because it's subjective and you're looking at any number of different criteria. You know, uh, it, it's not about gold records. It's not about record sales, but that does kind of play into it sometimes. The number of hits that an artist has. Um you know, their impact on music and all the rest. But I don't know who some of these artists are. So in many ways, it's like, I don't know. You know, I really don't know um, if Chaka Khan should go into the hall or not. I certainly remember all the big hits, but I don't know how she's... Oh, man, no, well, there's... You know, those songs, you know, but I just don't know. I can't weigh it, you know. I, yeah. I don't have a scale here to say that it, you know, you, you know, the thing that gets me is it's just seven or eight. Yeah, and, considering, mm. and considering as the years move on, like it, when they started this whole thing off, they started with first school, right? So it was Elvis and it was it was Jerry Lee Lewis and all those guys. There were so few of them that people knew, you know, the field was small. But as the years go on with this hall, music, rock and roll in its broadest definition is wide and broad and so are the number of artists that you can continue and yet it's still just seven or eight artists. Mm-hmm. I'd argue they should not even worry about that kind of crap. I mean, what's the point? The idea is to repre- represent important and and, um, and influential artists of which most of these people could probably be inducted based on that merit alone. You know? 
Yeah. Uh, what, what will Can happen? Good question, Polly. Is there anybody? Is there anybody on that list that? Is there anybody on that list that you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, uh, the Go Go's. Like, I hear, I hear that list, and I'm like, and I'm like, D- Devo and the Go Go's. Like, what? Yes. What? Oh my Devo? God. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely <laughs> belong there. Are you kidding? Oh, really? No. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. No, Devo is the Devo is that I you know want, you love Devo. <laughs> No, I'll take you. That's it, way ahead of their time, and there is way more to Devo than Whip It. Like, I mean, well, it's de-evolution. It's it, it was something. Polly, back me up here. Oh, I'm I'm totally with you. Yeah, um, they came when they broke out. I mean, this is before Whip It. You know that first album. Yeah. man, they 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 turned people's heads. They said, "What is going on here?" And with these whole guys, Devo was short for de-evolution. That music was losing its losing its heart and its soul. That it, it, there's a big, poli- almost social political commentary that they were making, and so they dressed up with hazmat suits and shades, and they performed. It was really jerky. It 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 drew from it drew, it drew a lot from electronic music, uh, and yet it was so well formed. It was so well crafted. You know, I saw Devo in concert. It was unbelievable. Blew my I, mind away. But, but, maybe so. But who are, who <laughs> who on that? Like, okay, so here's my here's my seven that of that list that you just rhymed off. I actually had to go eight. I did Mary J. Blige, the Foo Fighters, um, Iron Maiden. Uh, Jay-Z, Carol King, LL Cool J, Rage Against the Machine, and Tina Turner. All great. Pardon me. Who, who, who of those eight would Devo knock out? Come on. Uh, well, I would say Tina Turner. She's already in, actually. Well, I mean, Tina Turner is great, but her best work was the stuff that she did with her husband, Ike, and she's already in the hall with her with her husband, Ike. When she was, you know, she, when she was... You know, the stuff that she's being recognized for was, we'll call it the private dancer stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, it was pretty great, and she was pretty great doing it. But it's like, I don't know. She was, to me, I didn't think she really broke down any barriers. I don't think she was really doing anything different. She had a second life uh, in that as that in that persona. And I don't, I listen, those are great hits. I just don't think it was that important and further to that when it comes down to breaking down barriers the go-go's broke down barriers too and don't get confused the go-go's with like poppy belinda carlisle the go-go's were like one of the original all-female dirty rock bands and they toured and i mean there's there's backstage stories about the go-go's that would make led zeppelin cringe like they were they fucking rocked the go-go's they rocked they were way more than we got the beat Hmm. Were they? Were they more than we got the beat? I think so. Our lips are sealed. I mean, really, were they more? I mean, their notoriety on the road, yeah. The fact that they were an all-girl rock group, I guess you get points for that. I'll, for take, the, the, I'll take the Supremes hand, hands down over the Absolutely. Goat. Absolutely. But I'm just saying for the, for the time. For the time that, yeah, that was kind of... I would I would say they they stood out just for the same way that Devo stands out. Yeah, you know, Mark. Yeah, I think you nailed a lot of them. I think those are are the key ones. Um, I still think the Hall is catching up in a in a real big kind of way um, to what's going what's important in the music scene. W- what I should tell you is that these are sixteen nominees, and now fans can vote 
uh, their favorite into the hall. And the rules are you go to rockhall.com and every day you can nominate five artists. So every day, if you deliberately go in there every day, you can vote your favorite in. The best case scenario is that it used to be that this closeted, small, tight-knit group of of jurors would decide who is go who would be going into the hall and a lot of artists that were which had huge fan bases and had a tremendous effect on on rock music weren't getting in case in point was rush the moment that they changed it and they mm-hmm. allowed the fans to vote rush got in in a heartbeat immediately and they have been going like this for the last 10 years allowing fans to decide who should go into the hall but again, it's that number. It's eight. It just it, it leaves so many out. And, th- and then there are artists that aren't even in there that should be in there. Like Huey Lewis, you know, that amazing hey, there work. There we go. That, <laughs> you know, Huey Lewis in the news, man. You know, all the hits. I mean, and that, when Back to the Future came out, I mean, everything changed. <laughs> you had to. You I just had to. to. Give yeah, that me, was sweet. Give me more. Good lord. Oh my god. The question I would have would be: Do the news also get in, or just Huey? <laughs> That's what I would. Uh, there is a there is a category for um, for the performers backing bands, right? Oh, so the nice. news would get in there, you know. Nice. <laughs> The news will be backstage. In, but he didn't. <laughs> the I don't know if it's the news, but you know. Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be this year this year the news are gonna be out back. They're gonna be partying with Big Brother and the holding company and the Beaver Brown band. <laughs> nice. Thank you very much. Oh, and by the way, guys. Uh, I just got a notification here. It's a uh, fella cootie. She says, fuck all three of you guys. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Where's, Paulie, where's a, the love for fella cootie? Just a, a question for you, Polly, about the fan voting. Is it five yeah. different artists that you have to vote for? Or can Ben just go on and put five votes in for Devo every day? Oh, for crying yeah. out loud. <laughs> what I understand is five different artists. Fucking Rage isn't going to get in because Devo fans come out. <laughs> we never know. You Again, never know. There are a list of artists, and we each probably could come up with a list of our own who are not in the hall. But then again, that would require us actually looking to see who is actually in. But I did a little bit of homework. I got this from another columnist. For instance, you think that Tina Turner should go in, but I think that Mariah Carey should go in. She's not in the hall. Oh, she should definitely be in for sure. Just for for the Christmas song alone. Yeah, right. the pick she's the- definitely in the Christmas Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't yeah. know about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. Maybe a I should bit de- longer before I that. should definitely be in Mariah Carey. <laughs> yeah, the Pixies aren't in. Tribe That's Hall crazy. Podcast. I'm not Tribe sure if is not in there, but they should be considered. Joy Division and New Order should be considered. Oh my God! Yes. And, and again, we can find that other list, you know, yeah. um, but um, the whole thing ends. I think it's on April the 30th when the fan voting is finished and they will announce who's going into the hall. Cool. And, uh, and, if, and when it finally does open, when COVID is finished, you should go to the Rock Hall of Fame. It really is quite the place in Cleveland. For sure. Uh, OK, so that's it for me. OK, Mark, what nice. do you got? It's probably a lot of other nice things to see in Cleveland, too. From what I've heard, it's a beautiful town. <laughs> 
I I kind of copped out with some uh, with some this day in in music history. But you know what? After yeah, well, just can I add something? Actually, yeah. after the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremonies, they're changing the name of the city to fucking Develand. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Develand. Develand. <laughs> Devo Army, assemble. <laughs> All I know okay. is if, if I Devo, feel better if Devo now. makes it if Devo makes it into the Hall of Fame before Tribe Called Quest, <laughs> I'm taking it to the streets. That's it. That's that's yes. when you're gonna get some yeah. street justice. It's completely unacceptable. Absolutely. Like the Doobie yeah. Brothers? Um, <laughs> Take it up to exactly. the street. Sorry. Exactly. We uh, we just mentioned like a surefire um, induct uh, inductee or inductor into the Hall of Fame, which is uh, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Um, yep. And he uh, obviously he's excited about it. He's been chatting a lot about uh, his Foo Fighters days, his Nirvana days as well. And uh, he was talking about Kurt Cobain. And I think this is an interesting question. And I know that you guys have uh, your opinions on this. The greatest songwriter. Of uh, of all time, because he feels that there there really is no doubt that Kurt Cobain is the greatest songwriter of at least our generation. Um, and he he asked an interesting question, and it's one I think that people ask about someone like John Lennon and a lot of people that kind of passed maybe before they should is what would he be doing now? Like, what would Kurt Cobain be doing now? And what kind of music would he have written mm. over the past, you know what I mean, 20, 20 some odd years or however long it's been, eight, uh, 20 years, I guess, somewhere around there, uh, 25 years. Um, so I get you, I mean, it, just, it leads, because I know you guys have always talked about Bob Dylan and, and I mean, being one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Where do you think Kurt kind of fits sure. on that list? Because by no means, Dave Grohl is not an idiot. He knows that he is not the greatest songwriter of all time because Foo Fighters songs are pretty basic and, and that's, I guess, maybe what makes them great. Kurt Cobain, I think, was a little Dave, bit, uh, a little bit deeper in the way that he thought that. about writing music. Yeah, ex- exactly. So, yeah. For, Where do you think he fits? Uh, you for, know what I mean? Sorry, on that, for, on that f- sort of figure of Mount Rushmore. For me personally, with with Kurt Cobain, like I've definitely been in the camp of him being like when, when I was younger, especially when I was listening to those albums. When I was really, when they were really a part of my life, there was definitely a point where I, I considered uh, Kurt Cobain as one of the greatest songwriters of all time. But like now, the way I see it. I mean, it's all subjective. I'm curious to hear what the other guys think. But for me, like, you got to have a a level of longevity to be considered one of the greatest uh, songwriters of all time. Like, he's only, they only release, like, what, three or four albums. Um, You know, I I just, in order to be a GOAT, like, I'm looking at guys like Springsteen or, or, or Dylan or, you know, some of those people that were able to just continuously stay relevant over the span of like decades. Like I understand Tom like he Petty. wrote a couple good songs. Yeah, Tom Petty. I understand that he wrote like a bunch of good songs and they were really popular and stuff, but I think, you know, a level for me at least, a level of greatness isn't so much like the product, but like also being able to handle the success of it too. Like I think that's a big knock on him. I know a lot of people whatever. I don't want to get too far into that, but like I I, I was gonna say like I think I think Kurt Cobain's relatively overrated. I, I think given his 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 like edginess and his pop culture relevance, especially now the way people look at him, like same like kind of with John Lennon, but like I don't know. 
Ben, what do you think? I'm with Chris only. I, I don't think it has anything to do with longevity. I, I think he's a great songwriter, but I wouldn't put him anywhere near a Mount Rushmore of, I don't think he's even remotely close to the conversation. Like, I'm not mm. saying he's, and, and by no by no stretch of the imagination am I saying he was a terrible songwriter. He was great, but he wasn't that good. Like, he wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I wouldn't put him in, in like some elite class of the greatest songwriters of all time. He would he would not be one of the first names that would come to uh, uh, ten times out of ten. He would not come to mind if you were to you know mm. pop pop off five or ten great songwriters. I would not put Kurt Cobain in my list. Yeah, me either. It wouldn't I feel like to there's me. a certain level. I feel like there's a certain level of like being able to reinvent yourself and switch it up as well. It would be like like to me, Kurt Cobain is a bit of a one trick pony in that regard. It's almost like giving <laughs> yeah, like he only had one time. Like he only had the, time for one trick, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, time, that's right. No, yeah, Mark's right. Yeah, but you know, there wasn't sure, much time for, for another. Sure. But you can you can still He'd you be can like still if reinvent Patrick it a little bit, Never but. played again. Yeah, he'd be mm. like, if Mahomes never played again, you'd be like, fuck, he, he, could he have been the greatest? But no, you'd be Fair. like, no, Tom yeah. Brady was the greatest. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I'm not sure where I put him on the scale. I think he was a profoundly influential songwriter and artist back in the early 1990s when Cobain and his image and the way he performed became apparent. Everybody kind everything kind of swiveled towards what he was doing there was a lot more anger a lot more a lot of songs that were focused on personal issues um music itself was far more aggressive and he was the key voice not the first um but certainly the most important voice of that particular time so he did, mm. he deserves he deserves to be to seriously be considered in a, a certain group for whatsoever, you know. Yeah, he didn't hang around long enough to see what he was going to do, and and there was indications that he wanted. He was he was kind of he had started to grow tired of what he was doing with Nirvana. No, he, okay. He really respected and admired artists like REM, who started off as an alternative band with their own kind of groove, but then. Uh, swerved into becoming a, a sophisticated, sublime pop band. And he really liked that. And it was only in his final interviews, if you dig deep in them, that you'll actually hear that. It's entirely possible that, you know, what would he be like today? Could be completely different. But I know this for a fact. He wouldn't be singing angry songs like he is today. Nope. It would be something different. He would be, you know, how old would Kurt Cobain be now? 45? You know, he he wouldn't be thinking about the stuff he was back when he was in his early twenties. No, he'd be um, much older than that. He'd be, he'd be in his, yeah. he'd be older yeah. than that. He was twenty seven. What? And, when did he die? Ninety four. Ninety four. And time and experience and life have a way of changing your point of view, both lyrically and musically. So I think I would love to hear what he was doing, would be doing right now. You know, yeah, be uh, fifty three years old. Holy cow! That's unbelievable. Yeah, wow. I, I'd love to see. I'd love cool. to see what Kurt Cobain's Instagram account would look like. <laughs> His I, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just different plaid sweaters. <laughs> if he was still alive, though. <laughs> yeah, him, 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 
Him and Francis Bean uh, would be a daddy-daughter team on The Amazing Race. Kurt Cobain on Big Brother. It's all over. Uh, <laughs> the Cobains. Oh, fuck. It's like the Osborne's. The Cobains. Oh, you never well, know, boys. So steal, many possibilities. Courtney steals the show every time. You never know. Listen, you never know. I mean, that's the one good thing. As a rock star, the best thing about dying young is you never get a chance to make a fool of yourself. Fair enough. Right? Um, Fair enough. You never get a chance to go. You never get a chance to go Ozzy or Gene Simmons. You never get that chance. And that's not such a bad thing. My guess, uh, if Cobain was still around... Uh, and considering his um, his dis, his just his outward hate for fame, that he would be off the grid. I think he, so too. I think he'd be producing music. Let's say like the guys in Radiohead do, is that they're they disappear. You don't hear anything from them, and then they pop every once in a row with something that's genius. And I'm I think, fully I think I'm fully with Paul. And hmm. I'm not sure what it would sound like, but I let my imagination go crazy on that. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't a big fan of the fame. <laughs> That's for sure. Nope. I mean, that ultimately what could have killed him in the end. Um, I want to bring it back home. I want to bring it back to Hamilton's Teenage Head and a documentary that was put together by TVO, TV Ontario, of all people. I don't understand. It must be somebody that knows the band or loves the band or the fact that Ontario taxpayers paid for this documentary because I'm not sure who would want a documentary to be made on Teenage Head. Okay? I say <laughs> it's, that, in bet- it's in between an episode be- of Polka Dot Door and today's special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Teenage Head, for those of you who don't know, are a Hamilton-based punk band with a certain, around, a certain amount of notoriety who incited a riot at the Horseshoe Club in 1978 and with a performance at Ontario Place incited a riot there. And they were a Canadian band. And that was probably the first. Canadian rock bands don't really cause a lot of fuss, but Hamilton's own Teenage Head did. <laughs> Their first two albums were fantastic. And after that Ontario Place riot, everybody started to pay attention. They got a big record contract. They got U.S. management. They were booking a tour. And then guitar player Gord Lewis gets in a car accident and everything comes to a screeching halt. And as he was recuperating in the hospital, they lost everything. They lost their record contracts, the record, the, uh, the, the touring gigs fell out to the wayside, were canceled. And for Teenage Head, that was basically it. It ended with that. It is a 90-minute documentary, 30 minutes of which is about glorious moments in the band's history. And there's some great footage of, of them uh, as the opening act at something called the Heatwave Festival, which took out took place out uh, in an area just east of Toronto. It used to be called Mossport Speedway. Yeah, I went camping there when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> and it was called the Heatwave Festival. Talking Heads were the headliners, all these bands. There were 60,000 people on site when Teenage Head kicked off the concert. And the video footage is fantastic. So that's where the documentary should have just ended. Just glorious, loud, <laughs> punk done by Canadian style, but it's 90 minutes long. And what it dwells upon is a bunch of old guys trying to claw back and relive their glory days. Mm. And it's done through the lens. I don't know who the producer of this whole thing, but 
I will say it is sad and pathetic to watch the thing. I, I just, I was angry. Wow. I said, you're wrecking it. Yeah. You know? You're, you're wrecking you. it. It's like Gord Lewis, ever since that accident where Gord Lewis was in it, Gord Lewis has been bearing this guilt of the fact that the band never, never got higher than they really did. And then when lead singer Frankie Venom died, the bottom fell out of this guy's life. And you're basically seeing the band yeah. manage his emotional crisis for most of this documentary. There's some really great things about it when the band goes back to where it all started at Westdale High School and they do, they do a, a concert there, but it's kind of sad. And Ward, who is just, he's, he's fighting his demons and his deep depression through this whole thing. The guys are doing everything they can to get this guy to get up on stage at the halftime show for the Labor Day Classic in 2019 when the Tiger Cats play the Argonauts. You guys have been there for that game, and at halftime there's, this, there's a stage in the, in the end zone, and Teenage Head are going to play. And for them, that's the high point of this whole thing, the fact that they got Gord to get up on stage, and as soon as he starts playing those notes, as soon as he starts playing Let's Shake, yeah! And I just went, boy, this is really, really sad. It is great music. You can stream their stuff. I really suggest you do. But boy, this documentary was really hard to get through to the other end. Really, eh? I'm, I'm, su I'm, uh, I'm surprised. I, I, uh, I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah, it's it, it winds up being profoundly sad. That's what I keep hearing from the people I've uh, who have watched it, but never but, uh, said that they were angry watching it. Like, not had that kind of reaction. Yes, it, um, it, it's just. You I haven't seen it see, yet. You want to see them go, you know what I mean? It'd be like if they ended Bohemian Rhapsody when you find out that Eddie, Freddie Mercury had AIDS and that's how they ended it. They didn't do the last <laughs> performance. Like, no, that's it. He got AIDS. Something else happened after that, but we don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Like, fuck. Well, like, <laughs> try to glamorize yeah. it a little bit. Good Lord. For yeah, sure. It, I wish they had just, it wished it was a 30 minute documentary about this little Canadian band from this steel town yeah. that, that everybody loved. Now, there is an interesting section in the whole thing. They have all kinds of testimonials. Not all kinds. They have a few testimonials. One of the guys from the Ramones gives a nod to them how poor they were to the punk scene, especially cool. in Canada. And then Robbie Baker of the Tragically Hip. It weighs in on this thing. He says, yeah, those first two albums. Then there's a whole segment where Robbie actually talks about coping with the loss of Gord Downey. The same way that Gord Lewis was coping with the loss of Frankie Venom. And he says it was really tough. Drank a lot. I withdrew from music. I had a real dark period there. It's like, oh my god, you know, this is uh, not where I wanted it to go. I mean, revealing and important, but I, I just, I really wondered what this exercise was all about. You know. All right. I'm still gonna watch it. Like I, I've, I've been yes. meaning to watch it. But. And I want to hear what you have to say after you yeah. watch it. If you For are, sure. if you are from Hamilton, you really should know all about. Teenage as much as you should know about the Arkells. I mean, that's see, well, yeah, and here's my awesome. my the unfortunate unfortunately for me, like when I was at Y108, that whole time was when all of this was going on. So, you know, my more intimate knowledge of the band isn't just their music, but while all, all that was going on, and I, I mean, I don't know them personally, but just got to know a lot of people who do, and and just it didn't sound like a good good scene. So, you know, uh, the, the thing I will take away, Ben, is I've 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 been host or MC for many of their shows yeah 
And every time they play, I, I just went, yeah, that's yeah. it. When they play, but sometimes you don't like it when somebody pulls the curtain back and shows you what's really going mm. on. That's where it was sad. The sad part was not the fact that they didn't make it, that they had this unfortunate set of circumstances that stacked against them. It was the fact, the way that they were struggling to cope with their own personal lives, growing old and dealing with their fame right. or not dealing with their fame. Right. You know? Yep. Speaking about the tragic yeah, I should bring this up as well too. Uh, by the way, when the Tragically Hip did tour back, what, 2007, they went on a national tour, and okay. at the end of every show, they came out as an encore, and they did a cover version. When they played in Hamilton, they played Teenage Heads, Picture My Face. It is glorious. You can find that on YouTube. But my next thing is the Tragically Hip are suing, suing Mill Street <laughs> for the use uh, of... Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard about that. beer. Okay? Crazy. Um... I, I did some research on this thing, and there's a lawyer, and I'm going to try to keep this really tight and all the rest. Uh, Mill Street uh, have trademarked 100th Meridian as a name for a beer. So they actually own that name. The Tragically Hip are saying by association, you know, there's a lot of media posts that 100th Meridian beer has put alongside images of the Tragically Hip and events with the Tragically Hip. And that's where the gray area is. Ah, okay. Okay, so they kind of used the band's imagery in promoting some of the events that they had, not the beer itself, but certain events, some of their brew pubs and stuff like that. And that's where the conflict is. Many lawyers don't think that they're going to win the Tragically Hip, but they will probably settle out of court on this whole thing. I would think so. All that I, I don't know why they all had that to go after them. Scotiabank money now, eh? They, oh, yeah? They've right. got the Scotiabank money, so it's time. They got the lawyers. They're 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 going after everyone. They're, they've had a list <laughs> going since 1991, <laughs> and they're just systematically going through all the lists. <laughs> Next up, the American music industry. <laughs> For holding, holding them back. Hey, I have some I have some music <laughs> trivia for you guys. You guys want some Go. music trivia? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So we'll, yeah. we'll tie we'll tie it into this day in music history. So today is uh, what February seventeenth. So these are some things that happened on this day in music history. It's also some people that are celebrating birthdays on this day. So I'll uh, I'll read you some facts about this person or about this event, and you have to tell me who uh, who it was. All right. Awesome. All right. So uh, on this day, February seventeenth, nineteen sixty. This artist, who is definitely in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, won his first gold record for his second studio album. It was a self-titled album. I will. I'll give this one to whoever. Actually, whoever beeps in first. Ricky Nelson. No, no, Polly. We want. Do you want a little bit more? A little bit more chum, so to speak. I'll, I'll say. I'll say Bobby Vinton. Not Bobby Vinton either. Chris, do you want do you want a little bit more have, of a hint? I have abs yeah, more of a hint. I have no so idea. It spent four weeks at number one on the Billboard uh, pop album charts, and uh, mm. he, it made this artist the first recording artist to have both albums that he had go straight to number one in the same year. There's a reason they call him the king. Elvis? Elvis? It is Elvis Presley. Really? Yes. Wow. Obvious is that? On this day in 1960. Okay, here, here's, a, here's a softball for you guys. This is a softball for you. In 1966, this artist went to number one in the UK singles charts with These Boots Are Made For Walking. Nancy Sinatra. You are correct. Good for you, Benny. All right. 
1967, so the following year after that uh, song was number one in the UK singles charts, another British band started recording a new song that their lead singer had uh, written called Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite. Oh. Well, that's a Beatles song. That's a Beatles song. That is a Beatles song. You are correct. Uh, On this day, 1975, this band released their debut album, High Voltage. ACDC. Yeah. What was the uh, the song "She's Got Balls"? Who was that written about? It was the song that was featured on that album? I definitely don't know who it's written about. But I, it's a great song. Wow, Margaret no. Thatcher. <laughs> no, it was written about uh, Bon Scott's ex-wife Irene. <laughs> uh, hey, I know you guys like this uh, this artist. You guys talk about him often. I'm not a huge fan, but. Regardless, 1996, this artist's Platinum American Express card was sold for $4,500 at a memorabilia sale. Whoa. The uh, the singer had given this expired card to a waiter in an L.A. restaurant by mistake and uh, let him keep it as a souvenir. Tom Waits. Oh, no, not Tom Waits. No, Waite. I don't know. American. He's an American artist. Bruce Springsteen? Bruce Springsteen. Good for you, Chris. It is mm. the boss. Huh. And uh, some people celebrating birthdays today. Uh, This band would not be the same and would probably not be getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this year if they didn't have this drummer. The Foo Fighters drummer is. Oh, uh, Taylor. Taylor Hawkins. Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah, Who else did uh, who else did Taylor Hawkins uh, drum for? He was in a pretty big band. Alanis Morissette's band. That is correct. Yeah. Extra point for Pauly. Uh, also celebrated, actually born <laughs> on the exact same day, exact same year. Uh, let's see here. This uh, this artist was the lead man from a band that, whose 1994 album sold over 10 million copies, and they were the top modern rock act in 1995. Also a member of the punk rock band Pinhead Gunpowder. That sounds like it's made from a random name generator. <laughs> uh, this artist has also had some side projects called Fox for sorry, Foxborough Hot Tubs and the Network. Oh, um, uh, that's uh, Green Day. Billy Joe Armstrong. Yes, it is Billy Joe Armstrong celebrating a birthday today. Um, <laughs> We'll wrap it up with this one. Uh, this was a huge, huge song in uh, in 2006. I'll even give you the name of it, and you probably still won't know who it was. The name of the song never going to give you up. No, no. The name of the song was uh, song was "Stars Are Blind." It was from the debut album, self titled debut album, released in 2006. No idea. Uh, huge song, huge artist, just mm. groundbreaking. Hmm. I'm, I'm being a fuckface. It was Paris Hilton. Devo. That was her. Paris. That was, that was her <laughs> debut album, Paris, released in 2006. I think she. I think she's a DJ now. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. she is. She just turned 40, apparently. Cool. Wow. It, it's Ed Sheeran's birthday too, so he's pretty good. So I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about Britney Spears because this is kind yeah. of what's going on here. Um, there's a new documentary that's uh, been produced by the New York Times, which you cannot stream in Canada. All I you know. can do, oh, I've, I've been trying. I've tried everywhere. So we have all tried too. And uh, you can't see it in Canada, and there's no word as to when it will be available in Canada, unless you get a, a v, what is it, a VPN uh, code, and you it's can. It's coming. Soon. It'll come. Mm. Yeah. 
So free Britney and free the Britney documentary. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the free so the free Britney movement's been going on for a good number of months because of her father's got conservatorship and some people are saying, hey, she's a mother of what two or three kids. And she is uh, capable of performing. And why isn't she allowed to make her own choices as to when she can leave the house and what she can purchase and things like that? There's kind of a gray area exactly how much she can't do. Uh, but um, well, there's a enough lot that it's a, there's saying, a movement. <laughs> yeah. But what it's created, especially with this movie, is an avalanche of people apologizing for way, the way that they treated her back in her celebrity, celebrity days, particularly when she was having her mental breakdown. And the list of people over apologizing is becoming really long. Everything from Glamour magazine, a magazine apologizing, apologizing to Justin Timberlake, to late show, a late night talk show hoster apologizing, Sarah Silverman, the the comedian, um, has apologized as well too, and, um, and and the list can go on and on. A lot of people are really taking a lot of crap about this. People like Jay Leno, who used uh, used Britney Spears as a punching bag back in the day. Oh, big time! And, For and, sure. And we all can see, and, and you know what? Let's be straight here. Some of us as radio hosts have taken our shots at people, maybe not her, but people like her or crumbling, and it's really easy to make a joke. There's one guy who is actually, I don't want to say getting some positives on this whole thing, but I'm not sure if you remember the Craig Ferguson show. Yeah. Host and all the rest. And there is a there is a video of one of his shows from back in the day where he said, I'm not going to tell any Britney Spears jokes because I'm a recovering alcoholic and I know what it means. And and he was able to put things into a lot of into a lot of focus. And I and but by and large, when Britney was going through her breakdowns and all this stuff, people were piling on and making fun of her as she was truly going through a very personal and traumatic period in her entire life. Yeah, it was. Can it I? Was, can I just? I agree. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And you, know, I mean. I mean, I don't necessarily think comedians have to apologize for things that they said 15 fucking years ago. But anyway, um, though it was a private thing she was going through, she was also like shaving her head and going out and fucking, you know, attacking her boyfriend's car with a fucking patio umbrella and stuff. So there was mm-hmm. like public public showings of this private thing that was going on and when you are somebody like that like the paparazzi was not a new thing for her so it wasn't like this new this new experience of the paparazzi it was this new experience of the paparazzi maybe poking fun instead of i mean pumping up um and Mm. again like i get it and i and i she was having mental issues. I don't think she would have taken, uh, she would not have taken the abuse if that had happened now. If she were the star she was then now, and that happened to her now, I don't think she'd take the abuse that she did then. I don't think she would. You think she would be more vocal in terms of of, I think that no, I just think that people would have been more sensitive to mental health issues. Yes. Had that happened now. Yes. I wonder. I mean, back in the day, photographers, paparazzi were being paid a lot of money to capture um, celebrities uh, in embarrassing situations. Of course. Yeah. yeah, they still do. 
And boy, getting Britney Spears on tape, that's a prize. How many photographers, how many videographers shut off their machines when this woman was going through this mental breakdown saying, you know what, there's some things we should show and some things that we don't need to show. I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't think that would be any different. I think there'd still be the TMZ. I just don't think that the late night show hosts and so on would have been, and, and to a degree, you know, probably, probably radio personalities would be more sympathetic now than they were then. If Common, for, for, commentary would be more favorable, more friendly. So for for me, I, I can't wait to watch this documentary. I've been looking yeah, forward to it for too. a while, and I'm hoping to be able to watch it for sure. Um, it sucks, and I really don't understand why we can't watch it in Canada. But anyways, one of the things that that's really been uh, it's this is this whole controversy, uh, especially about you know the way people kind of used Britney Spears to to further their career in whatever respect um, th- this whole new angle on the situation has shined a new light on uh, Paul you mentioned uh, Justin Timberlake before yeah. and 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 uh, specifically uh, in light of all of this stuff in the news I was thinking uh, a couple days ago uh, Bree and I w- rewatched the um, the Crimea River music video mm-hmm. uh, and it's when you when you when you Look at it in hindsight, and I haven't even seen the documentary, but I can imagine it really seems like Justin Timberlake is kind of fully aware of the situation and and painted it in such a way that made him come out uh, looking like a superhero. But like I said, in hindsight, makes him look kind of like a scumbag. So it'll be be really interesting um, to see how he almost recovers from something like this. You know what I mean? Because I, I feel like he's been getting a lot of flack over, over the documentary. What really gets me about all these people are apologizing is it, it is 20 years too late for this to be happening. Uh, it's only, mm. they're only apologizing now because of a documentary and the, the mm. hashtag Free Britney movement. So yeah. only that Timberlake has had a chance to apologize to Janet Jackson and Britney Spears for things that were said and done ages ago the same with all these late night talk show hosts it's only now that some of their things are being re uh, are being shared on social media uh sort of exposing some poor decisions and poor things that were done in the past that they're apologizing for now and i heard a stand-up say that uh, it's just like the r kelly thing like r kelly was was pissing on underage girls uh and then but then someone put a fucking documentary together and put some nice music behind it and all of a sudden it was a legal case um and it's the same yeah. thing like it's it's a little too little too late like yeah again and that's why i don't think comedian stand-up comedians should, you can't apologize for things that happened that long ago like it's over with just fucking just move on just don't do it anymore yeah. I guess if Brittany, made some court, Brittany made some poor choices and there's no doubt her publicist took advantage of this media to push her story forward. The poorest choice I personally think she made was uh, dressing up as a school, go- school girl and singing a song called Hit Me One More Time and, hmm. and, and exploiting that sexualized image of a young school girl. Like, what were you thinking it's crazy. You know? yeah. I heard yeah, one, of the, you know, one of the themes you know. in it is is that she was always balancing that line of being overtly sexual, but then being innocent at the same time. And it's like, what? it's not even a thing. <laughs> she was too young to handle it. Yeah. She was too young to handle it. And the people that steered her that way uh, didn't 
they underestimated what the impact would be that they would sexualize this young woman and use that uh, and yet she wouldn't be able to handle it and the expectations that everybody would treat it as adults you're, you're putting a lot of faith in a lot of people and as you have now a catastrophe you know did did the, did her handlers underestimate the impact it would have on her or did they just not, not give a shit at care. all yeah i tend i tend to lean that they just don't give a shit you know what i mean yeah. like how many times you look if same same idea with the whitney houston documentary like have you seen the whitney houston documentary where they just filled her up with drugs just so that she could function to, tr- to get another tour out of her it's just like madness man Absolute madness it's it's nice to see though a celebrity like that get get some of their get get a little bit of a a backing behind her and get some support even if it's all these years later though you know what whether you like britney spears or not and i really don't because i think that she was okay i put her in the category of entertainer her recordings her voice mm-hmm. was manipulated she didn't really write her own music she was you know, what? she was she was a she was a great performer. But the thing is, is that you know, as, as much as <laughs> so, what? So what? Virginia, there isn't a Santa Claus. <laughs> you ass. The point I was going to make, though, is that in spite of what I think, that I give her no credibility, is a lot of people, millions of people, love her, have seen her play in concerts, and have incredibly great memories of those shows. So who am I to judge Britney Spears? Right. You know, she's not going to go in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame over my dead body. Yes, she will. She'll be in there before Devo gets in there. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) (laughs) If I have have anything to do, five votes a day, you say? (laughs) (laughs) When did Oops, oops, I Did It Again come out again? Is it 25 years yet? (laughs) It's coming. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, gentlemen. What so else? what? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Just just before I go, I, there's this weird light in the sky just over Hamilton, and like I, you know, I don't, I'm not much of a believer, but I hope that nothing lands on my back deck out here, and I have to go investigate, like those kids in the barn and Back to the Future. Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark, what was the name of the comic book in the barn in Back to the Future? Something, something from outer space. Aliens from outer space. Tales tra- from space. Tales oh from my space. God. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, can Jesus. I? If you would have nailed that, I, I don't think I would have ever been back. Here, Benny. What, what artist? What artist was playing in the cassette that he put on George McFly's head when he was trying oh to scare him? Christ. Ooh. Uh, big eight, big 80s rock band, obviously, because it was Van Halen, wasn't it? It was Van Halen. Yes, it oh, was. Okay. Puts yeah, on the Van Halen. Did he play Eruption? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to melt, your, I'm gonna melt your brain. <laughs> Darth Vader oh, from the planet Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I had to take it there. That. Yes, you do. <laughs> okay, boys. Awesome stuff. I Have a fantastic like, week, Polly. Thank you so much, man. Always a good time. Absolutely. Always. I, 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 there was one uh, teenage hen memory that I didn't give you guys. Uh, I was with uh, Double D Diane Daniels. Hmm. We were in Hess Village, walking through, going to cops. I think we'd parked a bunch of us, gas man and all those guys. We we had parked and we were walking through Hess Village to get the cops for a concert. 
and I don't know, it was some outdoor patio, and we walked by, and then one of, I don't know who it was, said, is that Frankie Venom? And we went back, and it was a, it was just, he was sitting by himself with a drink in front of him with his head on the table. And somebody said, hey, Frankie, is that you? And he was obviously drunk and smashed out of his face, and he just went, nice night for a party, isn't it? <laughs> and he put his head down. Now, we're laughing and smiling, and I agree. Part of me is smiling, and I saw I saw something really sad that day. He was, he was It was everything they talked about in that documentary about we missed the boat, life is shit, we're playing high school dances, and we're playing crummy pubs in Brantford, Ontario, Nice night for a party. <laughs> can, yeah. I, can I just can I just say I also know of another artist that um, had a car accident that cost him his music career, and that was when Marty McFly hit the Rolls Royce, <laughs> oh, for- and he injured his hand, and then he couldn't play anymore. <laughs> okay, is that See true? Boys? I'm done. We <laughs> 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 gotta get out of here. The Libyans are coming. <laughs> See you, fellas. <laughs> See you guys. Take Cheers. care. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Shout out to Little Bug for letting us use your music. We're also finally available on iTunes, so check us out there and uh, give us a rating if you don't mind. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to Black Sheep Radio with Ben McVie, Mark LaFave, and Chris Brown. Join the conversation at BSR Podcast on Facebook and at Radio underscore Sheep on Instagram and Twitter.